Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I think that's just going to be my intro. That seems to be my go-to way of greeting everybody. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. It is Michael with Acknowledged Dogs, Matador Canine, all the good stuff. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Today we are talking about when you're showing off to your friends or family and your dog stops doing the behavior. It is embarrassing. It is awkward. It's very confusing for many dog owners. Where the first time they go to do this, they go, oh, look what we learned in class. Look what we learned. And for some reason, the dog just is not capable of remembering, or at least it seems that way, where they're not going to remember what you just spent weeks learning in class. What the hell is going on? So I want to break that down. I want to talk about how we can prevent it, why it happens, and how you can make sure that Anywhere you go, your dog can perform the behavior, not just when friends and family are around. So first, let's understand why this happens. To do that, you have to understand the yerkes dachshund law. I've done a podcast on about it. I've done a podcast on about it. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I've done a podcast on the topic. I believe it's titled Excitement and Focus. They're relative. Okay. Basically, what happens is the excitement level of a dog goes up and their focus goes down. This can also be true inversely. So if their excitement level goes up, the focus might go up, depending on the dog. If their excitement level goes down, their focus might go down. Right? So it's all relative. It depends on the dog, but it's all relative. Essentially, what you want to think about is when my dog gets excited, do they perform better or do they perform worse? If you have a couch potato and you get them excited with a treat, they're going to perform better. If you have a border collie who's already excited all the time, and you excite them just a little bit and they don't focus, so there's your problem. Okay? So what happens when people come over is there's this huge amount of excitement and fun and elation all in one spot. And even though it might be hours that they're there, there's still people in the house. This is new. It's either stressful, exciting. There's, there's a whole bunch of things going on. And so your dog is thinking about the excitement and not necessarily the focus. Okay? And because they're not thinking about the focus, when you ask them to do something, they're like, I can't think about that right now. I got people to entertain, <laughs> okay? And not entertain in the way that you want me to. I got to entertain them the way that I want to, which is getting treats for them, okay? So when you have that excitement, your initial thought should be, okay, I'm not going to ask my dog for anything that I know they cannot do. Because if you do that, you poison the cue, if you've never heard me talk about poisoning the cue, it's essentially when you offer up the cue for a behavior that your dog knows in a situation that you know they're not going to do it, and they do not do the behavior in response to the cue. What does this teach the dog? Sometimes you have to listen, sometimes you don't. That's the easy way to put it. Right? The more scientific way is in the presence of these other stimulus, the cue that I've taught you doesn't hold the same value. It's not as important. It's not the same. So your dog starts to put these training sessions into a box and real life into another box. And when people come over, into another box. So they go, okay, when we're training, I'm going to do everything you ask. Right? And that's what happens. The owner goes back to training. They're like, ah, oh, maybe we just need to train more. Well, you go to train more and your dog does it perfectly. So what's the difference? It's the people. Right? Or it's because you didn't have treats or you didn't have the treat pouch on or you weren't wearing the right sweatshirt or whatever it is. Dogs just do not generalize well. And if every time you do a training session, it's a very particular training session. You go to a facility, you go to the park, right? You do it in your living room. 
Your dog learns that that one spot is the training location. It's like going to the gym. Nobody would go to the bank and start working out. It just doesn't make sense. But going to the gym and working out makes total sense. Same thing, you wouldn't go to the gym and start working on your laptop. Okay, maybe you would if you're, you know, you were in the massage chair, which I love the massage chair. If you've never done the hydro massage chair, it's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> get off my uh, massage spiel before I go too far on a tangent, right? So you wouldn't go to the gym and start looking at stocks and, and doing paperwork and stuff. It just doesn't make sense. You'd go to the gym to work out. You go to the bank to do bank things, finances. So when your dog thinks that going to a training, quote unquote, training location is for training, and then the rest of their life is the rest of their life. What you want to do is meld the two to where they don't think that training is training and life is life. They think just life is training and training is life and it's all together. Okay, I've talked about this when we talk about excitement and focus and doing a sandwich of obedience and excitement and all that good stuff. You want to put all that together right now and make it so that your dog thinks having fun, excitement, training, life, relaxation, it's all one. It all fuses together. Okay, This is probably the most important aspect of any dog training regimen, any, any training plan that you go through. Whether it's compulsive, whether it's balanced, whether it's purely positive, whether you're doing competition work, whether it's sport work, whatever it is, the, I think the single thing that every dog trainer can agree on besides consistency is that you need to generalize behaviors. You have to do it everywhere all the time. Okay. So we've kind of already gotten into how we're going to fix this if you haven't picked up on it, right? <laughs> if you've picked up on it, then you know what the rest of the podcast is basically going to be about. But stay tuned, okay? I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more information than just, oh, train your dog everywhere. <laughs> but that that is really the, the bare bones of it. You have to train your dog everywhere that you expect them to perform the behavior in. So if you ever only do it at a training facility, they're only ever going to do it there. If you only do it in the living room, they're only going to do it in the living room. If you only ever do it around yourself, they're only going to do it around you. Okay. I was training a dog once, and I, it was cold, so I wore a very similar sweatshirt every single day. And I remember putting the treats in my hood so that he would look up to my face more, and I could just grab the treats and reward him that way. It was a great way to get him to focus on me and stay uh, pay attention, but it only worked if I was wearing the hoodie because he saw the hood as the treat pouch. And if he knew I wasn't wearing the treat pouch, he wasn't going to focus on me. And it took me so long to figure this out. I don't know why I didn't figure it out sooner. I was like, what is going on? I thought he was just having an off day. I thought maybe he had too much energy. But nope, it was the fact that some days I was wearing the hoodie and some days I wasn't. On the days I was wearing the hoodie, he was lightning. He was perfect because that was the expectation. He knew clearly where the reward was coming from what the situation was, how he should be presenting himself. But when the hoodie wasn't there, he was like, all right, well, I don't know what's going on. Where's the treat coming from? Are we actually training right now? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Hey, guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. 
You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So what happens when you go to show your friends and family a behavior and they don't do the behavior? What do you do? Well, you can try again. <laughs> That's the first thing. You can try again. Again, we talked about the poison cue already. I don't want you to keep trying and keep asking when there's a high probability your dog's not going to do it. If that's the case, just stop. Stop altogether. Don't keep trying. Don't keep asking for it. Don't get mad at your dog, especially, because now they're going to learn, okay, when these people are around, mom gets mad at me, and I don't really like that. Right? When there's when there's five people here, dad is not a nice person. So I'm not going to like these five people. Right? They can make associations like that very quickly especially if they're fearful. So you don't want that. You want them to enjoy people. You know, could go on for hours about that. But what happens when your dog doesn't do the behavior? You could ask one more time. You could give up and just say, all right, well, maybe he's not going to do it today. And that's fine. Okay? If people don't understand that, you shouldn't have them over anyway. They're probably not nice people. Kick them out. Or you could practice just a little bit. Right? So if everybody's in the living room, you might bring your dog into the kitchen or the bathroom, practice for a couple minutes, and then come back out. Get their brain into the mindset of actually doing this. If they're in the mindset, then they're much more likely to do it in front of people because they just did it a whole bunch. They go, oh, well, I just did it 10 times in a row. I could probably do it in front of these people. They're just they're, There's a brain shift. There's a shift. There's a paradigm shift. There's a paradigm shift in their brain on how they're going to perform in front of people. Okay, think about a, an actress who practices their, blah, 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 I don't know what just happened to my voice. Imagine a actress, now I have to enunciate to make sure I don't mumble again. Imagine an actress or an actor backstage practicing their lines, rehearsing, and then going on stage. They are two very different experiences, but they feel so much more confident and comfortable on stage because they just practiced, they just rehearsed. They literally just looked at their lines, and they know exactly what they should be saying. If it was two days ago that they practiced their lines, and I don't know what actor would do that, where they don't practice right before, but, you know, maybe they're really good actors, and they back chain and stuff. We'll talk about back chaining in another episode. I don't think we have a podcast on it. Maybe we do. But when you have that kind of repetition before you put them into a new scenario, it can really improve the chances of them doing it right. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to do it right. I'm just saying it improves the chances that they're going to do it right. Because you've, you've primed the behavior. You've set it up right. So let's say you do that, and then you go back out, and your dog still doesn't do it. Okay, give up. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Give up for right now. Your dog just isn't in the right set and circumstances to be able to do it. And what should this tell you? Right? You should take information from this. If you're not going to get a good behavior, you should take information from this. The information is you need to practice more around people. Not that you need to practice in different environments. You need to practice more around people. This might mean going to the mall or just having people over more. Okay, you might just want to have people over more and practice with your dog while the people are there. Literally set up a training scenario where one person is there, two people is there, three people is there, four people are there, 20 people are there. I don't know how big your living room is, but if you can get 20 people in there and still practice with your dog, awesome. 
So the more people you have, the more excitement things are. So you also can reduce the level of excitement by having people be quiet. Right, if you're trying to show off with your dog and everyone's yelling, clearly it's going to be overstimulating. But if everybody is quiet, everybody is calm, your dog might start to go, okay, well, things are a little easier. Right? I would not have somebody else try to work with your dog. Although it can appear to work, and I have seen it happen, where they're not doing it for you, but they'll do it for somebody else. That then tells me either that person has worked with your dog more than you have, or your dog now will not listen to you and what you tell them to do in the hopes that someone else has something better. Right? If you go to give them a piece of kibble and somebody else has a hot dog, right? And you don't need to be controlling about this. It's just the fact that if you go to give them a piece of kibble and someone else has a hot dog, the uh, hot dog's going to win. Most of the time it's going to win. I don't know a dog that would rather have kibble over a hot dog unless they've been trained to ignore hot dogs. Okay? So, clearly put, if you're going to have your dog not do something, I would much rather end it there and just go, okay, they're not doing it. Instead of having everybody in the room try to do it, poison the queue, now your dog's looking at everybody else besides you because they know the other people have something better. It just, it, it never ends well in the long term. It might work right now, but it's not going to end well in the long term. Outside of those scenarios, you can also have other people train your dog, right? Which will help generalize the behaviors. It just will. Okay, the more your dog does the behavior, period, the better he's going to get at it. There's longer reinforcement history. There's more treats behind it, right? There's just, it's a more solid behavior. So when you're in this new scenario, they go, oh, I know that one. I got that one locked down. Even if they don't generalize well, they at least know exactly what you're asking them to do. Okay. So let's say driving. Driving in a sedan is the same in every sedan, right? You might have different controls, which are a slight variation, but driving is driving. It's always going to be driving. It's just simple driving. But driving an 18-wheeler is very different. So with your dog, the more they drive, the more different style of cars, different heights, like it's going to be easier when they get into the 18-wheeler. It might not be perfect, but it's at least easier, right? To think about an 18-wheeler, you have to know how to drive a truck. You have to have to, you have, blah, 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 blah. man, I just, I don't know what is going on with my voice today. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. You probably think there's something wrong with your, your car or, or your phone or your headphones. Do you hear me go? Blah, 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 blah. Um, right? So before, before you drive an 18-wheeler, you have to learn how to drive a truck. And you have to learn how to drive a van. And then a bigger van. And then a semi, right? It's, it just keeps building and building. So the more you can do that with your dog, the more behavior is going to be solid. I'm sorry, the more solid your behavior is going to be. That makes a lot more sense. The more solid your behavior is going to be. I'm going to go through a little example here. Okay, now this isn't teaching tricks. This isn't tricks in front of friends. But it is a good concept to understand. Or it's a good story to help you understand. It's training a dog in agility. Love this dog. Sweetest little thing ever. She loved people. Almost as much as my dog Tommy does. Here was the thing. 
The owner did private sessions and group classes. And in both, we were practicing agility. Now, you might say, okay, why would you do both? Are you trying to improve the agility? Do you want the dog to be better at it? Sure, that was the goal. But the real goal was in private lessons, the dog was great. She got the zoomies a couple times, but she could do an entire course, no problem. The problem was in group class, she couldn't. So what's going on here? Well, because this dog, whose name shall remain nameless, <laughs> because this dog loved people so much, one incident happened where she was running a course and she missed something. And she looked to the owner and the owner was like, it's okay, we'll just keep going. And whatever the owner said, it might have been funnier than what I just said. Whatever the owner said, the, the crowd laughed and they kind of got excited about it. They were like, oh, keep going, it's great, blah, blah, blah. So all that excitement happened at the only moment that she messed up the course. And she doesn't know she messed up the course. What she knows is people just got excited because I did something. So that has started to happen more frequently. And it was very subtle. We didn't really notice it at first until we went back and thought about it. But it was very subtly building to the point where any time they were in class, the dog thought the objective was to run around like a crazy dog and to just have a grand old time. And every single time it did that, everybody thought it was hysterical. So they laughed, they goofed off, even the owner, like she didn't care. She just wanted our dog to have fun. But she started to get frustrated that she just wanted to run a course and the dog wouldn't do it. So we started to do those private sessions to try to fix this reoccurring problem that wasn't a problem originally, but somehow creeped up. And what we found was the dog had no problem doing a course when nobody reacted. It did take her a couple times to get into the rhythm of it because she was, right, she was going through an extinction period where what was working is no longer working, right? Being a goofball got rewarded a bunch of times and now it's no longer working. So she just had to keep going through the course over and over and over. And eventually she was able to do an entire course without fail, perfectly the way she used to. But every time they were in class, the, the audience, the other class members could not, not give this dog attention for messing up. And it resulted in the owner just giving up on that class because the dog couldn't focus throughout the amount of time that was necessary. She, just, she had the zoomies. She was too excited. She was all over the place. She could not manage doing a course because she thought the right thing to do in class versus in private sessions was to make everybody laugh. Your dog might do this, okay? And you can blame the people that you invite over. Essentially, what I'm saying is, let's say you have a couple people over and your dog is acting out of control. It might have nothing to do with the excitement of the people. It might have to do with the rewards that the people give the dog. Okay. The classic example is having a dog jump up on somebody. Person comes over, the dog jumps up. Oh, no, it's all right. It's okay. You know, I love dogs. It's not okay, especially if you don't want your dog jumping. This person is rewarding your dog for a bad behavior or an inappropriate behavior that you don't want your dog doing. So if one out of 15 people are okay with your dog jumping up on them, 
Does it seem like a problem? No. Is it? Probably. Because if you're trying to work on it, and your dog is getting variably rewarded, one out of 15 people, your dog has no problem jumping on 15 people to find the one person that's going to reward it. Right? And we've already talked about how insanely powerful variable schedules are in other episodes, so please go back and listen to those. But once that happens, now you are fighting. You are fighting so hard against your dog's variable schedule and the person and the excitement. You're, you're, you're pinned against three opponents. And it's not like you can take them all on at once. I was watching a, a cartoon the other day, a TV show with my son. And, it was, you know, they were fighting. I know he's only two years old. Maybe you shouldn't be watching fighting. But regardless, we were watching it. And this very strong character could not manage to go up against these three seemingly amateur characters. And it's simply because the three characters were so well-coordinated that the one strong character could not pin one down. Because once he got one down, the other two were there to beat him up. And if he could get two down, the third one was coming with a sneak attack. So you got this overexcitement, you got your dog's variable schedule, and you got the person rewarding it that you have to combat. So you either need to stop the person, you need to stop your dog, or you need to control the excitement by not having any of the thing, any of the thing, any of the thing, any of the scenario together. Right? You can't have that person over, or you can't have the dog out, or you just when that person comes over, the dog can't be there. So you, then you're you're in a pickle. So what I'd much rather do is teach the dog not to jump. Right? We reward them for not jumping, those kinds of things. With a whole bunch of other people. And then you bring that friend over and you say, listen, if you get my dog to jump, I will kick you out so fast. Okay, and I will put a dent in your car. <laughs> Alright, maybe, maybe you don't threaten them like that. But you get my point. It's important. Because it, if you are no longer in the control of rewarding your dog, you are no longer in control of the behavior that your dog does. Let me say that again. If you are no longer in control of the reward, you are no longer in control of the behavior that your dog does. Work on being able to control how they get rewarded, when they get rewarded, and the situation they get rewarded, and your dog will become a lot easier to manage in those high distracting environments, those high stimulating environments. Okay. So when your dog isn't listening, when you have friends over, it's either they're too excited, they're getting rewarded inappropriately, or they just don't have a, a strong enough foundation of that behavior to be able to do it in this new situation. So you have to work through those. Okay, I'm going to go through and, and make sure my dog can do this in all these different locations. I'm going to make sure that nobody's rewarding inappropriate behavior. Right? If I go to teach them something, if I go to teach the dog something, I mean, in front of somebody, and they go, oh, it's okay, and then the dog comes over, and then they praise the dog for doing seemingly nothing. Why would the dog start performing tricks? Right? Unless your dog knows that tricks equal praise, your dog's just going to go, oh, all i got to do is go over to this guy, and he gives me love. Right? There's no work there. There's, no, there's nothing your dog has to do in order to get the thing that they want. They just get it for free. And we don't want freeloaders in our house. We want dogs. We want good companions that we trust and are reliable. We don't want freeloaders. Okay? And then you have the the overexcitement. Everything's all crazy. And you need, you need to be able to control your dog in those environments. So and we've talked about it in recent podcasts, I think. The level of excitement and the focus are relative. 
Okay, they are relative. Teach your dog how to focus, and excitement will come. Teach them how to be excited, and focus will come. Like you can you can meld them together if you understand how they work together. You can meld them together, and it becomes a lot more enjoyable for you for your dog. The level of training can progress a lot faster because your dog is excited to do it. So you just have to work on it. Thank you guys for listening. Today we were talking about what happens when your dog does not perform a behavior when friends are over. And I think at this point, by the end of the episode, you have a good understanding of why that might be happening and how you can fix it, how you can work through it, and how you can make sure it never happens again. If you liked today's episode, please follow us on social media, share it with friends and family, and I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.